Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today we're going to be doing a follow-up on the last video that I did on James Lindsay and Michael O'Fallon's relationship. In that video and podcast, I talked about how Michael O'Fallon financially benefits from sordid gain, and that gain is anti-Christian content. He has built the infrastructure for James Lindsay to monetize hatred towards Christ, and that is sordid gain from a Christian perspective. I don't think that's a biblical means of making money. So that's what we talked about in the last video. In this uh, follow-up, we're going to be talking about how they go woke on the issue of gender. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But first, I want you to know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That's our Patreon-like system. We don't use Patreon because they're woke and they censor people. So we built our own. And that's how you beat big tech. You build your own. And that's what we did. So you can support us there. But the least you can do is like this video. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. And podcast as well if you're a listener. That's how you help with those magical algorithms. Uh, anyway... And also check out that free Evangelical Dark Web newsletter that gets you Christian news in your inbox each and every day. So I want to start off uh, with a definition. It's good to define terms. But we're going to be talking about how James Lindsay and Michael O'Fallon go woke on the issue of gender. And this is important to talk about because gender roles are increasingly, in your view on gender roles, is probably where our society breaks down politically. The people that believe in more biblical gender roles are Republican voters, and the people that abhor biblical gender roles are, you know, liberal Democrat voters. I think that's where the line of demarcation is. It's on gender roles and your views of them. It's not so much a specific policy position, but rather this um, anthropological position is very determinative of your worldview. It stems directly from your worldview. And it's largely, you know, a very good line, you know, line of demarcation for where you fall on the political spectrum. So I think this is a very interesting uh, topic, very important topic. And if Michael O'Fallon, you know, someone who claims to believe in Christ, is articulating a an unbiblical woke view of gender, I think that should be called out even more, all the more. We're supposed to shine a light on false teaching. And certainly call brothers in Christ to repent. But we got to call this out. This is public teaching. This is public error. And it's being done by a Christian on a platform that a supposed Christian is monetizing. So anyway, uh, let's start off with the baseline on gender. How we should view gender. This is from the uh, 1828 Noah's uh, Noah Webster's American Dictionary. So, you know, they had a fancy dictionary back then. And this is a very good basis for uh, a nice benchmark for how words in English have changed meaning over time and how language has been corrupted, perhaps, over time. So here we have gender. It's a noun. To beget or to be born uh, is the definition. And then it also, you know, number one, and this is as a noun, it's properly kind or sort. So basically, that's to like sex and animals, what it's talking about. And then number two is sex, a sex, male or female, hence. Uh, and then we talk about the grammatical nuance of gender. It's 
uh, you know, the way it's a distinction between male nouns and male verbs and female nouns and female verbs, um, which is used in language, other languages than English, uh, for the most part. So that's important to note. You know, a lot of people say that this third part of the definition of gender as a noun has to do with the, uh, is, is what gender is, but that's not true. That's not how English has uh, been used for centuries. Uh, gender and sex were very much interchangeable. And if you look at gender being used as a uh, intransitive verb, it means to copulate or breed. So gender as a verb meant sex. So we know that English has changed because we don't use gender like that. And it has changed because people have made a distinction between gender and sex as it relates to male and female. And that's what the woke crowd has done. And that's what James Lindsay also does. So when you look at the definition of gender going back to 1828, you notice that gender and sex are the same thing. It's not that sex is determinative of gender. It's that they're the same thing. So... That's going to be much different than what we see out of James Lindsay and Michael O'Fallon's website, New Discourses. So, uh, this is their uh, New Discourses commentary. So, this is like their definition, uh, their Wikipedia, so to speak. It's not called Wikipedia, or it's called their Social Justice Encyclopedia, and it has a bunch of words. It's very incomplete. I think it's something they started a long time ago, but will eventually do all the words that they set out to do. Nothing on the homosexuality issue, but we do have a lot on the gender issue. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So the way that these uh, encyclopedia entries work is they have the social justice definition and uses. And then they have the new discourses commentary. And as I said at the beginning, new discourses is in part, was founded by... Michael O'Fallon, a professing believer, and this is the stuff, this is the crap that his business is putting out. So, that's pretty important to note. Uh, and in this entry on gender, it, it takes a turn. So, uh, about after the fourth paragraph, or maybe in the fourth paragraph, this is where the turn begins. So, it's first starts out commenting on the social justice usage before it starts commenting on its own affirmative ideal. So I'll read, uh, put more plainly, critical social justice theory, gender is nothing more than a set of beliefs, attitudes, expectations, and practices that are culturally produced and culturally enforced that define a, what it means to be masculine or feminine, uh, masculine meaning a man and feminine meaning a woman, B, who, who is expected to conform to, with those beliefs, expectations, etc., and C, how that production and enforcement takes place. That is, gender is something you do or something that is done by you, perhaps more accurately, not something that you are. And sex usually is something that you are, except when that's theorized to have been foisted upon you by society too, say by being inscribed at birth upon by putting it on your birth certificate, which is yet another form of socialization. 
So I don't even think that's a correct observation because I, I do believe that liberals uh, make the distinction between sex and gender. And he's not he's kind of conflating their distinction in a landmark paper on this topic from 1987 doing gender by Candace West and Don Zimmerman cited over 13,000 times gender is defined wholly socially in this way. The idea that biology has something to do with gender is not just considered wrong, but also immoral because such views could potentially be used by sexists and other bigots to enforce their bigotries. So that's James Lindsay talking about the other view, an opposing view, the social justice view. But I would argue this is actually his view. This line, uh, line of reasoning requires elaborating upon what logic, if any, compels most feminists as this view of gender, but not sex, is often common to many radical feminists, though not all. See also gender critical and gender separatism. These are uh, encyclopedia entries that they have not done, so we can't actually see them. Almost all gender studies scholars and activists to be wholly uh, to be wholly social construction constructivist with regards to the question of the relationship of sex and gender, re rejecting biological explanations for more or less entirely on principle. So he's saying, because you need a James Lindsay translator, and I'm not the best James Lindsay translator. I believe A.D. Robles is the best James Lindsay translator, but what he's basically saying is that the uh, radical feminist or the social justice warriors out there, they just reject biology having anything to do with gender. And then what James Lindsay is going to argue is that biology has something to do with gender, just not everything. You see how that's a Hegelian dialect? Because that's what James Lindsay is. He's the Hegelian dialect incarnate. So we have thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. Thesis being uh, gender and... Gender is a complete social construct. That's the thesis. Antithesis is patriarchy. Gender roles and biology and sex and gender are the same exact thing. That's your antithesis. That's your biblical worldview, by the way. James Lindsay's saying, actually, it's a bit of both. So you got, he just got, those who agree with him have already stepped away to a more liberal position as a result of the Hegelian dialect. So James Lindsay likes to talk a big game about the dialectics, but he's the synthesis. And that's his role. So, moving on, the reason is because of how scholars and activists within branches of theory think. For them, discourses, how things are, may be spoken about, are determiners of reality and scientific discourses are seen as particularly powerful in this regard because of their strong relationship with knowledge and the truth. See also bio, biopower and Falcoldian. In this branch of thought, power and knowledge are the same thing. See also power knowledge. Uh, so knowledge about sex and gender is in, is literally tantamount to political control where sex and gender are concerned. Biological discourses that support biological, not merely socialized differences between men and women, 
can therefore potentially be used to excuse sexism, misogyny, and other forms of discrimination, see also gender violence, or will be used as uh, such by the le at least some people. This, through, this, though, legitimizes those discourses and is intolerable. Theory must leave no possibility for the justifiable discrimination that puts different genders into different roles or sets expectations which would stratify society according to gender and create slash maintain injustice. Thus, gender must be wholly considered, uh, must be wholly considered a social construct. So this is, uh, again, this is James Lindsay talking about their point of view and trying to explain their point of view. But as we'll see, he takes a turn. And I want to skip ahead. Because he's talking about why gender isn't just a matter of social construct. Which it's not a matter of social construct at all if you look at a more biblical definition. <clears throat> so this is the section I want to read. Nevertheless, it seems exceedingly clear that some relationship exists between sex and gender though it's not entirely clear what that relationship is. Really? This is James Lindsay, like the genius that Big Eva turned to to explain critical theory to them, and he doesn't know what a gender is? He probably couldn't answer the question at this point what a woman is? Uh, accordingly, a number of different perspectives exist to try to explain this relationship. There are... These are taken more or less seriously. For example, the arch-nemesis view of that of gender theory would be sex essentialism. See also biological essentialism, which would more or less posit that gender is a direct consequence of biology and thus there is no meaningful difference between sex and gender at all. And in more extreme interpretations, any such disagreement is best attributed to mental illness. This view is also unlikely to be correct and is accordingly becoming quite uncommon and viewed increasingly as antiquated and even sexist or misogynistic, not wholly unfairly. So, if you believe that gender is determined by sex or that gender and sex are interchangeable concepts that I, you know, that's what I believe, uh, you're... The view is called sex essentialism or biological essentialism. They got to invent terms for believing, you know, what everyone believed 200 years ago and was a completely normal view at America's founding. They got to invent new terms for that and act like you're the bad guy for not changing with the times and with the gender theory that's infiltrated the colleges. So he says, you know, he comes up with a dirty name for this, right? And then says it's unlikely to be correct, and it's antiquated and sexist. How is this not woke? And could a Christian publish this on their website? Like, is this a something someone with a biblical... If I publish this on evangelicaldarkweb.org, by the way, check that out, wouldn't you rightly call me out for allowing this to be published? You see, this is an encyclopedia entry. It doesn't have bylines, so you can't use the disclaimer here. 
This is the materials that are being put out by new discourses to fight wokeness. And it's increasingly, it, it's woke. This is a scam here. You've already compromised on the issue of gender. But our next stop will be at the uh, linked here because he, he links unlikely to be correct. This is a blog post from a 2018 article that James Lindsay wrote with his co-author. Uh, let me check out the name. Uh, Helen Pluckrose, who wrote Cynical Theories with him and is the editor-in-chief of Aereo Magazine. I've never heard of Aereo Magazine, and I'm glad for that. So this is an entire article... Uh, it's titled, The Pendulum Need Not Swing, Why Gender Roles Are Not the Answer to Blank Slatism. So, blank slatism is, is I believe, the theory that we're all born blank slates, uh, and social conditioning is responsible for pretty much who we are. So, you know, na- nurture over nature, or nurture not nature, I should say. Uh, that, that's your rough uh, definition. Again... I'm not an academic. I don't consider myself an intellectual either. I just don't care. I I don't enjoy reading philosophy textbooks or uh, a lot of things. You know, I can barely keep up with reading the Bible, guys. Uh, So that that's who I am. I'm not. I I can do a lot of research on the internet and stuff, but I don't like reading you know nonfiction books for fun. I don't really get an enjoyment out of that. So. I'm not your act. I'm definitely not an academic. I was a B student and you know, this is written for, you know, A students and midwits. And this is an entire article about opposing the biblical worldview. This is an entire article about placating some gender theory, but not all gender theory. So, this is, this is an article basically saying that gender and sex aren't, uh, sex is not determinative of gender. That's basically what this article is about. That hyperlink wasn't false advertising as to what this article was about. So let's just read the conclusion of it because I think this is the most succinct uh, representative sample of this article. It's very long. It's very wordy. It's not concise at all. And it's overly academic. So, conclusion. The liberal approach has been resoundingly successful overarching strategy to improving human flourishing, and thus it would be unethical to go back to a to morally enforced essentializations of gender, even if we could. Think about that. Is that true? You know, is second wave feminism? Because that's what they're talking about here. They're talking about women entering the workforce, women being single moms, uh, you know, the rise of single motherhood, you know, you don't need men. Second wave feminism stuff. Being an improvement upon human flourishing. Is that true? I think the overwhelming statistics show that that's not true. You look at the uh, rate that women are on uh, antidepressant medications. Uh, you look at the uh, household income. You know, you got to look at, you know, when The Simpsons came out in 1989, 1990, a single-income family, blue-collar, single-income family, with had owned a house and had two cars. 
that was considered normative. Over, you know, 30 years ago, that's considered normative. That's not normative anymore. What's normative now is dual income for the same thing. And fewer children. That's considered normative now. And that's if you don't have a broken family. So the idea that this has improved, you know, women working, you know, jobs for men leaving overseas, which is related, by the way. And, you know, that human, you know, that we are flourishing now compared to prior to second wave feminism. That's a lie. Uh, We make less money. We own less things. You know, my generation, I own a house. I own this house. But a lot of people my age don't own houses. They don't have, you know, they haven't gotten married and started a family. You think this is good for human flourishing? I think the statistics have shown, the declining birth rate in our country has shown that this is not good for human flourishing. That this hasn't been good for human flourishing. Now, I think the problem with the 1950s was that, you know, they sent the kids off to public schools. So I'm not saying we, we should go back to that, but we need to reform that with, you know, homeschooling and Christian education. But that's a topic for another video. All right. Second sentence in this conclusion. The fact that it has been... the The fact is that having been freed from the expectations laid upon their genders, few people would go back to a state where they are told how to be, even if they end up conforming strongly to what those roles would prescribe. At this point, there is no putting the genie back in the bottle, taking away equal opportunities, contraception, whoa, red flag there, and all the rest in returning to an expectation that one's genitals must define how one lives one's life and what one's is interested in. And yeah, I mean, you look at the Bible, who's qualified to be an elder in the church. That's basically, I mean, genitals are determinative of that. They're not solely determinative of that. But again, the logic here is that egalitarianism is good, but it's not because that's not how God made us. It's a rejection of the created order. It is essential when considering gender relations to recognize that we are still adapting to changes in rights, freedoms, and expectations which have happened astoundingly fast in the last 60 years. Men and women are still working on optimizing the balance between work and family responsibilities since women have joined the workforce in vast numbers. We also we are also still working on our relations with each other since ideas of sexual morality have changed from expectations of chastity, particularly for women, and monogamy to expectations of consideration and clear consent. So again, the whole con- this is hookup culture is what we're really talking about here. You know, when someone talks about consent-based sexual immorality, they're basically talking about hookup culture. Uh, which, by the way, has led to a lot more rape allegations. Just saying. 
Uh, the dust still needs to settle on these changes, and getting apocalyptic and advocating for radical solutions will not help. It does not help to blame men for being different to women or to assume that only cultural conditioning could prevent women from making the exact same choices as men. It does not help to prescribe entirely different roles for men and women in defiance of how similar we are and how liberal, illiberal this is. We need to uphold the fact that despite the irrational and illiberal extremes, men and women still overwhelmingly love and like each other and recognize each other as individuals as they continue to negotiate and compromise in their relationship to make them work. The only thing which will help our current culture wars is to accept the reality that men and women are different on average, but have the same psychological and cognitive traits in overlapping degrees that individuals could fit anywhere along the spectrum of more typically male and more typically female traits, and that very few will conform to all averages for their sex. The most productive and ethical thing we can do is to reduce social pressure on one way one way or the other, and enable individuals to realize their individual potential in both interests and abilities uh, it and abilities it to prioritize treating people as individuals. I feel like there's a typo there. The pendulum, which so many see as swinging widely disadvantaging one sex and then the other, need not do so if we make our stance on this evidence-based and liberal in the broadest sense. If we can accept that we are overlapping populations with much variation but significant differences on aggregate, if we can respect people's rights to find gender roles meaningful and fulfilling to them and their right to not to, and their right not to, if we can treat each other as individuals with the same right, to every opportunity, dignity, and respect, the pendulum can rest. So let me take a sip here. So what he's basically arguing is that bio biology and culture determine gender roles, and gender roles is what gender is. Um, that's basically what their definition of gender is, and that's not a biblical definition, because gender roles... If a man falls, you know, let's say a stay-at-home dad isn't a woman based on his gender roles. Like, that that doesn't make him a woman. You don't start using she, her pronouns for that. However, this argumentation, this line of argumentation, opens the door squarely to transgenderism. This article was written in 2018. I can't quite remember, because I was alive in 2018, but that was a long time ago. And I can't quite remember whether that was the era where everything was racist or everything was sexist. There's a little bit of a spinner that the liberals use uh, to determine what, you know, what everything is going to be. And I can't remember whether that was everything was racist or everything was sexist time. But it was probably in relation to everything being sexist is what they're talking about here. But this line of thinking that, you know, we're all just... You know, we're on a spectrum and some of us, you know, there's a lot of overlap between where the bell curves are. But what if someone's on the extreme end of the bell curve? You know, a man is on the extreme end of the bell curve with fe fem feminine traits. Does that person become a woman based on gender roles? 
this line of argumentation would actually allow for that. It's very weak to oppose the premise of transgenderism. So this is, again, gender theory. This is what gender theory is. You're trying to uh, be overly academic with regards to gender and the history of gender. It's a far cry from the definition of gender from the non-woke definition of gender from 1828. It's a far cry from that. But again, in the 1950s, like gender study around that time, post-World War II, gender study emerged and gender became distinct from sex. And again, you look at the history of transgenderism. It's ugly. It's full of child abuse. We should reject every single morsel of this movement. And James Lindsay's The Synthesis. Reject transgenderism, but accept homosexuality. Reject transgenderism, but accept... uh, Or reject third and fourth wave feminism, but accept second wave feminism. That's the synthesis. He's the synthesis. So, he talks a Hegelian game, but is the Hegelian dialectic himself. So... That's all I got to say about this. My name is Ray. This is the Evangelical Dark Way. If you like this kind of content, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Have a blessed day. We will catch you on the next one.